welcome to the Adelaide Living Podcast, where we share the stories of the city. Adelaide is a city shaped by stories. Those of the traditional owners of the land and of our increasingly diverse community. Each story is unique, but what links them is the place of Adelaide, a city designed for life. So join us as we uncover inspiring stories of the people of Adelaide. Adelaide-based Caleb Maru, a passionate social entrepreneur, grew up in Alice Springs. His Ethiopian-born parents had migrated to Australia a year before he was born. Caleb searches for innovative ways to normalise issues often labelled taboo. A case in point is his recent crowdfunding project, Humanity, where he worked with young people from marginalised communities to create T-shirts that tell their stories and are then sold to raise money directly for their causes. As he completes his studies at Adelaide Uni, we ask Caleb, why this city? How is Adelaide helping him achieve his vision to strengthen the voices of young people everywhere? Um, Well, firstly, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. I chose Adelaide because... My hometown, where I grew up, where I call home, is Alice Springs. And Alice Springs has this this really, like, cool but also kind of weird Adelaide connection. Like, about a cool but weird yeah, Adelaide yeah. connection. Like, okay, so it, it's it's rare for me to go for a week without bumping into someone I know from Alice Springs who I don't mean to bump into. Um, so a lot of people sort of travel between Adelaide and Alice Springs. Um, Adelaide is also the closest city to Alice Springs. It's also the closest beach to Alice Springs. So if people would talk about going to the beach, which is something you really want in Alice, being right in the middle of, the, of Australia, um, then it's Adelaide. That's the place. Yeah. Um, that, so. is, that is so cool. So Adelaide beckoned for your tertiary studies. And what what were you uh, – you'd already been at that stage, been establishing your, yourself as someone with a very keen passion for social enterprises, for working with youth – how did you think your tertiary studies would be supported by that, by moving to Adelaide for study? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, I saw Alice Springs as this sort of small town that I grew up in. See, a lot of this comes back to my relationship with Alice Springs. It was a small town I grew up in, really got involved in and um, started a lot of really great work with young people there. And so Adelaide seemed like the right place to go to from there because it's not massive. It feels like a bit of a country town. Um, and it, it's just, it, it feels like a, like the right stepping stone really, um, to see how some of the approaches I'd use and some of the programs I'd ran in Alice Springs might play out in a bigger city. Yeah. And, and I guess I also got into law and, uh, yeah, I got into a law degree in Adelaide, which is something I didn't get into in Melbourne or like any other, um, cities I, I applied for. And I was really excited to study law, um, at the time. And, and I thought that that was the right thing to do, move somewhere a little bigger um, and go on to study law and see some, how some of the work that I've been doing could play out um, in somewhere like Adelaide. Yeah, and I had a really fun time with it. I'm still having fun with it. So <laughs> so how many years have you been in Adelaide? Been here since the start of 2016. And how did you, so you found adjusting into Adelaide worked for you? Yeah, I actually went to a residential college um, called St. Mark's, which, um, yeah, is quite quite well known. Yeah, you meet people from all around, all, like, all around Australia uh, who are just keen to meet other people and really great people as well. You know, they're, they're quite rigorous about who they let in. And, and work very hard. Very hard, yeah. 
they have fun too, but like, but they, but you know, it's, it's, it's this cool balance between you're making sure you're scoring well because that's how you stay there. Um, and, uh, and you're also enjoying yourself and meeting other people and meeting people from other colleges too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's highly social and it's wonderful. So you, you moved to Adelaide. Tell us about your passion for social enterprise. Yeah. Right. So it started because I got involved in a bunch of leadership programs in Alice Springs. One of them, through that, I tried a different, a whole bunch of initiatives out, um, some related to street art and youth engagement. Um, but the one which really hit was a youth action group, which we started for young people to voice their concerns about things happening in the community. And in Alice Springs, we have a huge um, Indigenous population in, this, in the city, um, which is a really, really great to learn about, um, you know, about this population and to really engage with them um, and, and see some of the effects, like the firsthand effects of, of this history of injustice that they've experienced. So, yeah, so that uh, that bleeds into a lot of the youth issues that arise in the town. Um, I mean, if you live there or even if you go there, you, you can see that there's there's a lot of things that um, need help and that need work. So we started a youth action group, which which worked with the council, the local council, and had the mayor come into our meetings. And, um, yeah, just listen to the, the concerns that we had and the ideas that we had to work on youth engagement. We ran that for two years, and that actually got turned into a position at the local council in Alice Springs, which I had for that first year. And so I was the youth services officer, the first one. And that's still going. Five years later, that's still going strong, and they've actually doubled the amount of hours that they have because it's been really effective. And that group's still going. A lot of the events we ran are, are still there, but now they're more like advocacy focused, which is really cool. Like they were grounds that I couldn't really tread when I was at the council. So Why was um, that? first year in a role, right? There was a lot of apprehension to begin with about me having that role. A few people really had to fight for me to get it in the first place. So really it was just about like setting a standard and, and like achieving um, a few good events for that to be solid. And then since then, because we have that security now um, and there's a bigger commitment to it, there's, they have more platforms to work more towards that side of things. Like they work around youth mental health now, um, around gender equality, which is just grounds I didn't want to tread when I was there. <laughs> yeah, because you have, you have to start perhaps gently and start where the where you can take people with you and then you can grow from from there. Was that, would that be right or Absolutely not? Absolutely right, yeah. It has to be things that are tangible, things that um, have like have like measurable outcomes, which is why in our first year, um, in my year, all we did were events, uh, which which was good and like really cool because some of them were really engaging. But in some cases, they missed the mark of what I wanted to do. I wanted to work more with like youth mental health and, and issues that are a bit too taboo to talk about. And that that's actually why I started my first social enterprise, which is called Aware Project, which rest in peace, like I finished that off a few years ago. But yeah, I started a project which let people talk about these concerns and these issues they were facing in their community, in our community and globally um, and ran that for two years just as a side thing. That was a need that wasn't being served. Is that what took you to be an ambassador of the Foundation for Young Australians? Tell us more about that. Yeah, so that year when I came up with the idea for Aware Project, I, I applied for this thing that I found online and it was this Jumpstart Award and it was for $1,000 to jumpstart an idea that you had. So I applied for it like real like last minute, just was just threw in this application. Um, and a week later, they were like, oh, you've been selected as a finalist, come down to Melbourne and receive and like see whether you make it in this award. And I received that award. And that was sort of... And who organized Jumpstart? Oh, the Foundation for Young Australians. Oh, that was the yeah. Foundation for Young Australians? Yeah. Yeah, they are such well champions done. for young people. Yeah. Um, and back then, me just couldn't believe it. And I was like, okay, now we have this money. I guess i got to do something with it. And <laughs> from there, we, we, we grew and we started interviewing artists, 
um, musicians, just like public figures about, but completely sidetracked, didn't talk about what they were doing in the music scene, just talked about the real issues um, that they faced. Like we talked to Goitje. Um, Goitje? Yeah, uh, somebody I used to know, the song. Uh, we talked to him about racism, you know, like he doesn't talk about that in his interviews. We talked to him about that. We talked to Tash Sultana, who's this really great, um, like up and coming, well, she's huge now, but back then she was up and coming. Talk to her about gender fluidity. She came out as gender fluid as well in that interview. And that's that's like one of our biggest ones. You know, like, so talking about these issues that are usually so taboo, but talking to people who are so big that it's just, they normalize that was really a cool experience. So what inspires you for this? I mean, clearly what you're doing from starting with Alice Springs from the youth officer to the foundation for young Australians, it's definitely making a difference. What, what, what drives you? What, what change do you want to see? Yeah, that's a really hard one. <laughs> a lot of what I've done has been based on my lived experience um, and my experiences and hardships that I've, that I've seen in Alice Springs. And if not Alice Springs, then it's been things that, uh, that my friends have experienced too. So Aware Project, the idea came because I was with a group of friends and we had this one afternoon where we just like finally went really deep about some issues we were dealing with. Um, and I learned that two out of those friends had mental illness um mm. and these are like friends I've had for years and I didn't know this <laughs> and that really like it really rocked me like really shattered me and made me feel like I wasn't there for them but then when when you look at the the issue you find that it's actually a system and it's this sort of it's this culture of just covering up the stuff you're going through um and that was something I wanted to address and that's why I started a web project and I think that everything that just about everything I've done um, in this space has been a reaction to something. Yeah, except for actually this is, I don't know if this is a good segue or not, but except for humanity, humanity has been a lot more like this new social enterprise has been a lot more just fun um, and something I just really like doing. And I got to put a bunch of skills together with a friend um, and just have fun with it. So tell us more about humanity. Yeah. So humanity is a social enterprise that works with young people from marginalized groups to, to co-design t-shirts to tell their stories of their lived experiences and then sells those T-shirts so that people can wear those tees and share those stories, but also raise money for a local organization doing great work in that area. So in this case, we worked with eight young refugees for, who attended Adelaide Secondary School for English. And we got four great designs, each of them representing a story or a value from, from that young refugee. And we printed them onto T-shirts and have sold them through a crowdfunding campaign, which recently finished up. Yeah. So I want to hear more about the crowdfunding, which I understand went well over target, so well done you. But tell me about the stories and and how you managed to work with the young refugees to get their stories. Yeah, that was a really interesting experience. Like interesting, I say, because we, you know, you can't just, you can't go up to a young person, a young refugee and ask them to like recount their their experiences because that, that's dangerous. So the way that we framed it was really interesting. It was It was more around what do you want people to know about you? when they see you um, and when they see something you've drawn, what do you want them to, to know? Like what represents you and either your journey or something that you really care about? So in some cases we have young people who have just drawn things that, that mean a lot to them. Like Leith, for instance, um, an incredible, so talented, this young artist. Um, and he really loves the idea of freedom. And that that's a value, you know, that's not really his story. That's just a value. And when you look at his backstory, which you'll, you, you know, if you see the video, um, he, 
like it's understandable that freedom is a value he represents um, from looking at his journey. But then you have, you know, young people like Aaron who has a thumbs up as his design and that represents his struggle coming to Australia and really like learning English um, and just the perseverance that him and his family had. And he goes into that in depth. So yeah, it was, it was, it was really interesting. It was sort of just opening up the platform for what they wanted to, to talk about and communicate um, and not being strict as to whether that was a story related to their struggle or not. Um, just It was sure the they story they wanted to have on the, on the T-shirt. Exactly. And they don't get the, you know, like as, a, you know, as migrants or refugees, we don't get platforms um, that, that we, where we can choose what we say about ourselves. So, you know, just limiting that to the story didn't feel right as well. So we just said, whatever they want out there, we'll put it out there. Um, Tell me more about the limiting platforms. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you look at, uh, if you type up refugees in the news, I mean, how often do you find success stories? It's, it's quite rare. And the way we're portray- they're portrayed in the media and sort of demonized and put as the statistic and like the photos that come out, they're just, it's, it's really dehumanizing and so giving them a platform to be an artist and share something about them but also have this backstory if yes they are they come from this background is something that I think is really powerful and that really helps to shift those stereotypes and change those ideas around around what these young people and what these people in general experience um, and what they go through yeah and tell us how you uh, share their stories beyond the t-shirts you mentioned the videos and yeah. the backstory. Can you tell us more about that? 100%. Yeah. So when you get a t-shirt with humanity, you get your t-shirt, obviously. You also get a link to their video, which is their story, which you can then share with other people. And on top of that, you get a, a conversation guide, which is a bit of a, a few pointers as to how to have productive and meaningful conversations about the, the story you're wearing on your sleeve. So we want people to be mobilized and um, to be able to share these stories as well so they can act as agents for change if, if they want to. Sounds wonderful. Now, how did living in Adelaide assist in the formation of humanity? Yeah, okay, this is really interesting. Um, oh, my, yeah, so Adelaide, like I said, it just it feels a bit like Alice Springs, like you know someone <laughs> who knows someone else, um, and it's just all local. Like the coolest thing about this was just everything was local. Like Adelaide Secondary, I live in West Croydon, and Adelaide Secondary School is a two-minute walk from where I live. That's where we run the workshops. Harris, who's the who's a, an extremely talented artist um, and t-shirt printer, is lives maybe like a two-minute bike ride away. Like I listen to one song and I'm at his house, you know, <laughs> as I'm riding my bike. Um, and he's he's printing all our t-shirts and helped us with the designs. And like the the graphic designer is a, like a friend of a friend who's like really talented and she does a lot of media. Um, the person who shot the video, like the documentary and all the videos, is my housemate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's all so local and just this ease of access and, and the connections as well. We got to partner with Australian Refugee Association, which is where the funds that we raised will go into. And the link to get into there, like an organization, a charity, um, who have been so receptive and provided so much support, you know, um, has been only possible because of connections and because of the sites. I couldn't do this at Australian Refugee um Oh, sorry, uh, ASRC, Asylum Seeker Resource Center. Like the amount of time and effort it takes to get into an, an organization like that is, is it takes a lot more energy to start something up there. But because ARA, Australian Refugee Association in Adelaide is so 
just like community minded and really focused on like the people and really trust those relationships, it's been much easier. So, so it's, it's the connections and of course each connection, I suppose, as you as you work further, does that increase a sense of belonging in, in Adelaide for, for, for you, for others? Yeah, it does. It, it makes me feel like this is just such a cool breeding ground for ideas because of the ease of access to any any like stakeholder or any player. Yeah, and and especially actually like having the comments and having the number of people who have supported us from um, Australian refugee associations like networks or people who are interested in the community who have just even approached us with ideas or like um, offering to give us a hand with like packing, stuff like that, you know, like it's so community focused. Um, And it's, it's, yeah, has 100% like helped us increase our sense of, like helped me feel a big, a stronger sense of belonging somewhere like here. How's humanity helping young people be heard? And are you going to expand it wider? Tell us more. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, so humanity does in the sense that we work with these young people to develop these designs, which are then sold. So now we have, by the end of this week, we'll have 300 T-shirts out there in the world, which is 300 stories, right? So that's 300 T-shirts and uh, increasing in the future? Potentially. Um, Yeah, potentially. Like... We'd like to see where it goes from here, yeah. But I think it's a really, if anything, it's, it's a strong model for showing how you can firstly work with your young people from a certain area um, or from a certain marginalised group and then secondly use that as a way that's actually profitable to raise funds for any cause that you'd be interested in or that you like, for any organised or any like program that you need that, those funds for. Yeah. So I think if anything, we have a model which works with young people and then uses that profitably. Yeah. And why, tell us, why do you, why are you so passionate for young voices to be heard? Yeah, right. I feel like I think it's just because they aren't heard enough. Um, well, I have a friend uh, who I actually met last week. I did a boot camp with the Foundation for Young Australians to work on this idea mm-hmm. in this great program called Young Social Pioneers. And I, I met, uh, I made a friend called Ed um, who is based in Melbourne and he works for this really cool, he's starting a social enterprise called Young Elect, which focuses on getting more young people elected into parliament and local government. And um, he told us that out of, I think, 226 parliamentarians in Canberra, two of them are under the age of 35. That's a rather chilling statistic. It's, yeah. Numbing. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so it is trying to work out, well, how can we marshal, marshal our forces more effectively Mm. and get into the places and make the change. 100%. Yeah, I mean, do you think that young people, knowing that two people might even be close to their demographic, would feel confident in a parliament that only has, what is that, like 0.4%? Oh, your maths is far faster than mine. (laughs) I Uh, got that wrong anyway, but... Yeah, and yeah, I I agree. I think if there are better ways of, of linking the older and the new and making things stronger, that would be good. So with the Humanity Tees... What was the story that you uncovered that resonated most strongly with you personally? Th- that's a really tough question because it's like, it's kind of like asking me to choose between my children. <laughs> like, which story do I like the most? I can't choose. And they're all incredible. So like, they're all incredible refugees. stories. And, and yeah. that actually makes extremely, extremely good sense. So tell us now, you've exceeded your, your market for this t shirt. They've been released in 2019. Uh, who, who is your market? Who's, who's, who's picking them up? 
Yeah, great question. Um, so just like on that point of exceeding the goal, I don't know if I mentioned it, but we, we aim to raise $7,350 through selling these T-shirts through a campaign. We had three weeks to sell them, actually just under three weeks to sell um, oh, nice, to reach this tight goal. little time frame. 100%. You've got to be tight. Otherwise, there's no, you lose momentum. And yeah, and we actually almost doubled that goal and raised $13,000. Um, which, if anything, proves that this model works. And what we found is that the people who buy these T-shirts are people who are connected to the issue, people who want to represent and wear what they believe in on their sleeve. But there's not many companies or labels that let you actually wear what you believe in, um, let alone a young person, a young refugee story. So we found that the Australian Refugee Association, their community, were really in touch with it. A lot of my networks and friends from Melbourne as well, like who care about these issues, were really in tune with it as well. And just generally, people who cared about, uh, I mean, the rights of asylum seekers and refugees. So hopes and dreams, what's on the horizon for humanity? Yeah, so you actually caught us at the best possible time. Um, we just did a boot camp in, um, in Dalesford, Victoria, which is a country um, town working on the idea of humanity and seeing how we can scale. And, you know, like, as I said, we proved this model. We designed and developed it within, like, six weeks, um, put it out there, and it was received. We raised $13,000. We just celebrated with the young kids. We gave this check. We're going to give this check to Ara soon so they can run their youth art programs for next year. But when we took, like, a really deep look at the system and what we were trying to solve, we found that we did this out of, for fun, really. Like we, I'm a crowdfunding coach, so this is sort of within my skill set. I love working with young people, as you know, as this interview has shown. I love working with young people, and asylum seekers and refugees is a uh, is a cause really close to my heart. But there's no problem we're trying to solve. It's more like a toolkit or a model that works really well for raising funds. So, upon looking at that, we realized that Australian Refugee Association or any group that really needs it can actually do this themselves without us in the middle and taking, you know, the profits from it. So we decided that instead of growing as a brand and trying to work on more, um, create more T-shirts ourselves, we actually want to give this to Australian Refugee Association and train them to use it themselves to raise funds. Um, we don't need to be a part of this. Uh, we think that they can do it better themselves and they, they can decide where those funds will go themselves. So, yeah, we're taking a step back, really, um, and trying to see what's next uh, and who else wants this model and we'll train them and show them how it can be done. A very successful model and a very generous uh, way of uh, handing it back. What is a crowdfunding coach? Ah, that's my job. <laughs> Tell us so more. So I work for a platform called Start Some Good and we are with the biggest for purpose, so like for um, social impact crowdfunding platform with the highest success rate. And yeah, I basically, I run people through how to develop a compelling campaign and how to run that campaign as well. So it's successful. So you've effectively brought all your skills together, your your life experience, your experience working uh, as a youth officer in Alice Springs and your university training. Is that all helping to culminate in this in fabulous package of skills you have? Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, it's really just been passions, right? Like working with young people is a passion. Um, asylum seeker and refugee issues, passion. Um, crowdfunding, passion. And then we're having a big house party as well to celebrate it, also a passion. <laughs> I love throwing a good party. Um, you have to have some good fun to balance it all. Exactly, really exactly. So what's on the horizon for you, Caleb Maru? Right. So a side of me which I didn't really get into here was that I actually – I work for a consultant firm in Ethiopia that works in policy um, consulting, specifically migration and peace and security. 
So I'm going to go to Ethiopia in January this year and I'm going to spend some time there working on that consulting firm um, and doing some field trips, but also working in social enterprise. I think social enterprise is, is a brilliant tool for, it's a brilliant model of self-help for communities that really need it, that don't have resources um, to actually come up with ideas that are innovative and raise funds, but also like serve a need within the community. So I'm really interested in how that can be harnessed yeah, so I mean that—that's—that's that's what I'm going to dedicate the next, I think, n- next few years to after I finish studying. Yeah, just really exploring. So, have you been back to? I mean, you were born in Australia, but mm. with your family, have you travelled back to Ethiopia before? Ethiopia yeah. before? Yeah, I've been there twice before. Yeah, so this will be my third time. Yeah, and I'll spend six weeks there. But I'd really like to have a longer period of time so I can learn the language and really become immersed <laughs> soon. So, Alice Springs is home. And the driver, and so Adelaide is the country town for development. And then, so Ethiopia, is that sort of going back to your family roots? What's what's the driver that's taking you to Ethiopia? Yeah, Ethiopia is a strong part of my identity, um, but it's one I've been, I, I haven't had a chance to engage with very well. You know, my parents being just the two of them coming here by themselves, us having no family here and, you know, Alice Springs not having a connection to an Ethiopian community as you might in Adelaide or in Melbourne has made it pretty difficult to connect with that culture. Um, and now that I find myself working for an, an organization based in Ethiopia, it doesn't, it makes sense to go there and like really learn what that culture is like and how that shaped me. Yeah. So that, that's another sense of me. Like I'm trying to understand this identity um, and, and where I really fit into, you know, Australian culture and Ethiopian culture and trying to balance those. And adding value to both. Um, what's a positive future look like for you? I think there's so many. You know, I'm immersed by all these amazing change makers um, in this big foundation for young Australians ecosystem um, that I don't even feel like I feel so confident in them to deliver um, and to really break through with the various issues that they're working on. I would say that, yeah, in general for Australia, though, I'd like to see a future where different organizations working on different issues really can collaborate effectively and understand where they sit within a system and what's actually necessary for them to impact that system. In some cases, it's it, it can be doing what we've done and, and understanding that our place is cool and it's something that's profitable and something that can grow into it. Like, you know, humanity can become a huge business, um, which really makes change, but we're actually not needed to affect that change in the system. And I think that having that approach where the system comes first and the problem you want to affect comes first um, would really help for us to effectively work on different issues. You know, we have so many um, refugee, like, organizations in Adelaide, it's mind-boggling. There's probably, like, nine or ten. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And, and you, you look at the scope, for, and they all have play, like, a really important role. But, yeah, at what point um, do we have too many different orgs working on one thing um, and, and where can we really collaborate and see how we can do this thing together? Because in the end, we're all trying to affect the same change. Yeah. Thank you. Excellent. Thank, well, you. thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Adelaide Living Podcast, which is brought to you by the City of Adelaide. Discover more stories about people, places and projects having a meaningful impact on our city by subscribing to this podcast or visiting the Adelaide Living website at living.cityofadelaide.com.au.